Hey, everybody. We are here for episode number three on the Valor Adventures podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Neal, and across from me today, once again, is Andrew Fletcher. And uh, we are here today to share some things that I think you'll learn something from this podcast. I'm sure of it. Um, I always learn from other people to hunt when I talk to them enough. So wanted to bring you some good value today. So, uh, Andrew, the up, the hunting season, upcoming hunting season is right around the corner. We're here mid-July, and so another month, we're going to be going in Utah, right? Ready for it. For archery. And I guess depending on what where, where you're hunting in the world, I guess there's hunting season is year-round if you're, you know, in other parts of the world. But for the majority of the mountain hunting that we do, it's fall, right? So we wanted to talk today about how to really get get prepped for the upcoming upcoming hunting season, what you can do to be to be ready. So hopefully, you know, number one, you've got some tags in your pocket or a tag in your pocket, because without that, you're going to have a tough time harvesting anything uh, legally. <laughs> so you better make sure you've got tags in your pocket. And uh, if you don't, get a hold of us. We've got some options still available. There's actually a really good chance that the Canada border is going to be opening up here. So what's really good about that for any of you that are maybe looking for, let's say an elk hunt, you know, elk, elk, especially bull elk, they're tough to come by right now. And if you're looking to do an elk hunt, a moose hunt, mountain goat hunt, mule deer hunt, whitetail hunt, things like that, uh, there are, are going to be, there are some great opportunities right now in Canada. And a lot of the people that had it booked for this year have already, they kind of gave up on this year because they thought the border was going to be closed. So they're pushing to next year, and so everything's getting bumped. So as the borders open up, there's most likely going to be some killer opportunities. In fact, we're booking some right now because people are like, yeah, it's going to open up. I want to book that hunt for this year. And like we got a combo hunt right now that's a really good deal. It's a, it's a moose, elk, mountain goat, black bear, uh, caribou wolf it's like a kill it all kill it all it's like a, a canada safari right canadian safari and i think we've got a special right now on that for like 21 grand and uh, we might have another slot or two available for that but uh, i would not wait i would you know if you hear this and you're looking or know somebody who's looking i'd get on it because quick yeah they i mean the, the economy i mean there's a lot of money out there right now it blows my mind you know um we just had our first, uh, we, had, we had our very biggest day ever yesterday as a company in bookings. Going to have another monster day, last half of the day and tomorrow. And um, it's it's pretty crazy. So the hunting business has changed. The hunting world has changed. Um, part of me misses the days when it was not the cool thing to do, right? Jeans and jeans and flannel. Yeah, it was the redneck thing to do. Now being a redneck's cool. So anyway. Well, we'll get into it. So I, I figured, uh, you know, kind of start off for hunting, for getting prepared for hunting season, maybe talk a little bit about what you can do for yourself, your body, your physical fitness, your mental preparation, those types of things, right? So when we get out there, uh, any of you that have hunted, uh, especially if you've hunted any rugged terrain or maybe been on multiple, multiple day hunts, you know how mentally draining that can be, as well as physically draining if you're not prepared for it. So the more prepared, you know, you hear people say sometimes, I'm going to train really hard so I can hunt easy. Uh, you know, meaning you're going to be 
really fit. I mean, there's, there's no question. If you're, if you're more fit and you're going to be on a, a, a hunt where you're going to be hiking a lot, you're going to have more opportunities because you can cover more country. You can go longer. You're not going to be wore down. You're going to be more, if you're, if you're physically fit, you're also going to be more mentally aware, right? And when you're glassing and you're spotting and you're even, even just all your senses, right? Your, your, your listening skills, your sense of smell, all that comes into play when you're hunting, even your awareness of your, you know, your surroundings, the, the wind, temperature, all those things. Allows you to focus on other things other than just how much you hate hiking. Yes. Or how bad it hurts. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding, you know. I mean, that's that's not a fun place to be all the time, the pain cave, right? And, yeah. you know, granted, I mean, if you're on a hard hunt, I don't care how good a shape you're in, it's, it's grueling sometimes. I mean, yeah. when, when you're going up a really steep mountain or down a really steep mountain and you've got a pack on your back that's, you know, 40, 50 pounds, you know, or more, it's, it's a workout, yeah. right? And sometimes it's really hot, um, sometimes really cold. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, first and foremost, for, you know, f- for me, what I, I mean, I, I try to stay fit all the time. I just kind of, that's just kind of my deal. I, I, I think it's a lot tougher to get in shape than just stay in shape, you know? So I really, for me, that's what I, I know that's not for everybody. Some people, they, they'll get, they'll, they'll have a goal and maybe your goal is to go hunting. And so you want to get fit for that and, and you go and do that. And then after hunting season's over, you kind of let it all go and whatever your style is, you know, <laughs> uh, just, I think a few, few tips that I've learned, uh, you know, one is nothing substitutes putting a pack on your back and hiking. Okay. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've, I, I, I mountain bike, I road bike, I run, I hike, I, I go to the gym, I lift weights, I squat, I do deadlifts. All those things are great, but nothing compares to putting that pack on your back. It's a different kind of in shape. It's funny, like, I've gone on hikes with, like, world-class athletes, basketball players playing in the NBA professionally, just, like, world-class athletes, and play basketball all day just gas anyone it's like and as soon as they start hiking you can just blow them out of the water like it's just a completely different kind of in shape it's like i've got buddies that will out hike a billy goat and then you get them to go run and they're gonna cough their lungs out in five seconds so i 100 percent agree with that (laughs) yeah it it is crazy it is i mean i've seen that so many times even myself i mean i'll get out there and i'll put that pack on the first few times even if i the problem with where we live is it's so stinking hot you hate putting a pack on to go hiking so you know a couple of times i've gone up to alaska in august it's been kind of tough to prepare for those hunts because i just never wanted to put a pack on while i was home yeah to prepare for those hunts but you know fortunately i guess when you're maybe when you're a little younger maybe when you're older too i don't know i mean i'm, I'm 42 so I'm, I'm getting older i guess kind of but, you know, fortunately, within a day or two, you usually do kind of break in once yep. you get that pack on your back, right? But it seems like there's always a couple little hot spots or, you know, no matter how good your pack fits or whatever, there's, there's just there's always that learning curve when you actually get to the mountain. So the more you can minimize that before hunting season, the more you're going to enjoy your hunt. Yep. So anyway, I would say, I would say you know, my, my number one thing you could do for your fitness would be getting a pack on your back, getting the boots you're going to wear on. Uh, and getting, make sure they're broken really well and go get some miles on your feet with that pack on your back. I would say that's probably one of the very best things you could do to prepare for hunting season. What do you think? Absolutely. 
I think that's one thing that I've always tried to use like scouting for is if you put a lot of effort into scouting, then you're usually in good enough shape by the time the hunt comes, especially if you've got several hunts. Good point. It's like if you scout really hard, then all all hunting is is you're just scouting with, with a gun now, you know. So if you put a lot of effort into that and being on the mountain, making it a priority, then it'll usually kind of take care of itself almost. Yeah, good. In fact, that's going to be our next uh, topic is scouting. And, uh, and and just before we get too much into that, um, you know, another another part of being in shape is you might be going on a hunt where you're riding horses or mules, and uh, I don't do that very often, right? And that's that's a whole different deal too, you know? I mean, that takes some getting in shape too. So if you're going to do that, you know, it might not be a bad idea to go and, and uh, ride some horses or mules prior to hunting season, kind of get a feel for them, how to drive them, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, that can be helpful. And then, you know, same thing. I mean, it's, it, you're, even though you're sitting in a saddle, that, that wears a guy, it wears on a guy. Yeah. Especially if you're not used to it. Big time. It's like just how tense you can get. It's like, if you're just sitting there tense the entire time, doesn't do you a whole lot of good. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then riding a horse with a pack on your back too, right? Because I've done that, you know, quite a few hunts also. In fact, I think I would say more often than not, a lot of the hunts that we're booking, you're you're going to have your pack on your back on your horse. Um, then you'll have a, a lot of times you'll have a scabbard on there as well. But anyway, so that would be I, I think fitness. I mean, definitely squats, lunges. You know, get your arms fit. You know, core core type exercises. Uh, all those things are going to be helpful so functional stuff functional don't stuff. worry about disco muscles mountain yeah. muscles you mean, a you mean like your pecs is that what you mean yeah something yeah. like that i'm not sure that pecs are going to be very useful for you out there even though we all like to act like we're tough when we're benching i guess as guys right do 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 the um do the the woman workout squats and and uh deadlifts build, but, build but, the bumper yeah yeah but but you, you know you, you don't got to do the the booty lifts or whatever right that's probably yeah. not very helpful we all we all won't wear leggings like you do while you squat <laughs> right right yeah of course uh anything else on fitness diet that you have i think the biggest thing on diet is just pay attention to it it's like i've paid a lot of attention to my diet and i've paid no attention to my diet and it's amazing how big of a difference it makes just if if you're aware of it it's like most people pay zero attention to it. It's like if you just pay any amount of attention to it, it's amazing how big of a difference that makes. For sure. And I, I would just say a few things on diet that I've learned is, you know, it's not too tough to really kind of dial in a decent diet. Get rid of soda. Drink a lot of water. Um, be careful on any processed sugars and breads and things like that, you know. And then have a good study. Like, like kind of my rule of thumb is if I can be around 30% protein, 30% fats, 40% good carbs. And, you know, I'm, I'm 5'10", 165. I usually eat about 2,900 to 3,000 calories a day. For me, that's pretty good. I, I do run four or five miles every day. You know, I, I am active that way. I, go, I, I work out. I, I lift at the gym every day for 45 minutes or so. But that's my deal, right? Everybody's different. But the, the little things like getting rid of the processed stuff, you know, just eat, eat whole foods and good protein and you know fruits and vegetables and that'll get you a long way yeah and what and you know if you want to lose some pounds you gotta you gotta reduce your calorie intake and you gotta you know you might need some coaching and get with a nutritionist to help you a little bit because sometimes people go i'm just gonna if you're let's say you're eating three thousand calories a day and you go i gotta lose weight i'm gonna cut it to 1500 that's probably gonna have a counterproductive result your, your body's probably actually going to retain more fat doing that than if you do the right amount of calorie reduction. And so you got to get with somebody, just hire somebody for a few months, yep. 
have them help you dial that in. And once you kind of have it dialed in, you kind of know from there on out, right? Yeah. If you ever want to fine tune it, you can't. Well, it's not sustainable either. It's like people go on these crash diets. And it's like, that does you no good. Yeah. Because long term, you're going to go right back. It's like if it's not sustainable, it does you almost zero good. Right. And I'm, I'm definitely not a technician when it comes to my diet. That's, that's, that's a layman's terms, what I just explained, how I, how I can interpret it. I like the macro stuff. I mean, I've kind of, I guess, kind of counted my macros a little bit. And I've had coaches that have helped me do that. But, I, I mean, if I'm honest, I, I didn't follow it exact. But it got me to where I got the results I wanted to get. And I, I wanted to do it in a way where I could actually live my life and not have to weigh every little thing that I eat, you know. But it does take discipline. And, but, you know, something I try to remember is nothing tastes as good as being fit feels. Yep. So keep that in mind, and uh, that might help you. All right, let's move on. So second thing I wanted to talk about a little bit was scouting. So you drew a tag, you're going on a hunt, scouting. Now, if you're going with an outfitter or a guide, obviously they're going to do the scouting. If they're a good guide or a good outfitter, do the scouting and have the area pretty dialed in for you when you get there. That can be very helpful if you don't have the time to do it or maybe you live a long way away from the area you're going to be hunting. You don't have time to go in there really early and, and do some scouting. But, you know, if that's not the case, then, you know, what do you do for scouting? So in your experience, Andrew, you've guided uh, several times. What, what is your experience when it comes to scouting? What does that take? What are some things people should be? The first thing that I always do is figure out where public ground is. So where I can hunt is kind of the first thing, right? And then looking for key areas, right? It's like, if you know how to hunt, you know how to hunt, right? So I always look for where can I get off of a road, number one. What, is the, what does the area look like? And if you have a couple different spots, I, ideas, it's like I usually start in the internet. And then, like, I utilize fish and game, especially on out-of-state hunts. Utilize those guys like crazy. You can call their offices. They'll help you. Um, depending on the state, Colorado super helpful that way. There's a couple places in Wyoming. I've got a lot of help from fish and game offices. Because that's what they're there for. They're your resource, right? Use them. But there's there's so many online forums. And, like, if you if you take advantage of using other people's knowledge. It's like, it's amazing the kind of pointers that you can get just by asking around really. Good. Now, where do you, where do you go to use, uh, you said you, you look for private versus public. What do you use to do that? So I have Onyx maps, obviously. And Onyx is usually what I use while I hunt. But as far as a scouting tool, I actually use base map more for scouting just because the 3D imaging is a little bit better. So mm -hmm. you can actually get a feel for what the terrain looks like better than you could just looking at a topo. Um, and then Google Earth is awesome. So I usually use Onyx for figuring out where private, public, all that kind of stuff is. But Google Earth is an amazing resource that I don't think very many or more people should take advantage of. Good. And you have the app on your phone, right? I mean, that's the best way to do like Onyx and stuff. Yeah, that way when you're, when you're hiking in, you're, you can actually watch your phone as you're walking in, make sure yep. you're not going to the, the private areas. Well, good. Yeah. And I think anywhere you can read up on your area, you know, there's, you know, g give us a call, utilize your concierge service, call us if you drew a tag or whatever, and uh, see what intel we have for you and, and any, any other, you know, resources that are out there. I mean, I'm, I'm always looking at all kinds of um, other magazines and things also to try to get the most intel I can on that area. And then maybe calling uh, people that I know that have hunted that area before, right? Uh, social media is actually a great tool now. Hey, I drew a tag in this unit. Uh, anybody hunted it the last few years? People are usually very open to giving you some tips or some advice of where 
Yeah. What have they found out? And I think it's important. I think a lot of people get so caught up in like finding the spot to go to. I don't think that finding a spot is necessarily the main concern. It's more, I look at it like how to hunt that particular unit. So like where, where I grew up, where we hunt, it's all just terraces pretty much. So you get up high and then there's bench, then there's a bench, then there's a bench. So we always hunt the terraces. So as soon as you learn how to hunt, a, hunt the terrace or that's what you focus on, you have success, right? It's like, and how you hunt down here, probably really different. So that's one of the first things that I pay attention to is like, how do people hunt the unit? And if you figure out how they hunt the unit and they're successful that way, it's like, then it's just a process of elimination, right? It's like where we go in Colorado, it's like if they're not high, then we're going to try here, then we're going to try here, then we're going to try here. So you can just, if you have it figured out to where you can eliminate places where they're not, then eventually you're going to find where they are rather than getting so caught up on where are they? Where is everybody else killed? What spots do I need to go to? Learn how to hunt the unit and how, what the dynamic there is. I think that does a thousand times more good than trying to get people spots. Good, good. So find your glassing spots if it's a place you can glass, right? Know where the water is. Know where the food sources are. Know where the cover is. and See if you can find out where the animals are living. And uh, Okay, good. Very good. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, scouting, you can't spend too much time scouting. In fact, uh, it's it's hard to spend enough time scouting before you get out there. You know, usually, yep. You know, we're all busy and, and everything else. So if you got the time to scout, go do it. Learn your area. If you don't, make sure you're asking somebody who's been there that can help you, or you know, hire somebody who can help guide you. And and uh, you know, there's there's some definitely very affordable people that can help you with that too. Yeah, and I I think it's funny like. I know that I always looked at it this way really until I started hanging out with you. And like, I almost always looked at guiding as like, I'm, I'm a big enough man. I don't have to hire a guide. And I think it was you told me it's the only people that bash guided hunts have either never done it or can't afford it. And those are the only people that don't do guided hunts. It's like a guide is a hundred percent worth it. And if people really look at, like I've guided for three years. So it's like if, when people look at guides and how much money they make versus how much money and time they spend, like, they make nothing like it is right. so worth it. If you don't have the time just from like a financial standpoint, from your own, your own point of view, it's like my father-in-law's got this Arizona tag hired a guide for that. But it's like, when you just look at the, the cost that it's going to take for each scouting trip for us to go down there versus just hiring the guide, we could get like four scouting trips or we could just hire that guy. And it's, it's there. Right. It's like, why would you not? If you understand it? Nope, for sure. For sure. And I've, I've been on every guided hunt I've been on. I'm still hunting. I've been on guided hunts where they still didn't know where good animals were, or it was just a tough year. It was a dry year, hot year, whatever. And we just, we had to hunt as if I drew a DYI. Yeah. The only thing was, is we knew there were some good deer or good elk in the area. Right. And so we knew that, but we still didn't know like where they were. It's not like they've got them pinned yeah. to a tree or just something. It condenses the time frame so much. It does. It does. So yeah, definitely. Don't be don't be ashamed or shy about uh, asking for help when it comes to scouting. I mean, as as guys, a lot of times oh, I got this. I want to do it myself, and I get it. I mean, you know, it'd be great to go out all by yourself. You did everything yourself, and you killed this monster, you know, mature animal, and uh, fed your family. And yeah, that sounds really good. But you know, uh, those that kill the biggest animals that have the most success are usually the ones that ha also have a lot of help. Yeah. Right. So, okay, good. So next thing, gear. We got to get our gear put together and uh, make sure that we're prepared that way. So to kind of start off with that, uh, I want to talk about the importance of having a really good pack. And what I like to do 
is at the beginning of each year. So like here in the next few weeks, I will be putting my pack together. Now it's still actually partly together from last year because it always stays somewhat put together. But I'll go through that pack and I will set it up the first of the year and then that pack is set for the entire year. So it'll, this, this year will be set up all through the fall and then even into February when we go to Tajikistan. It'll be the same pack, it's ready to go. And if I get a cancellation on opportunity, I basically can grab my pack and go at any time, right? So in my pack, I definitely want my kill kit. In my kill kit, I'll have my rubber gloves, just because you don't have to have rubber gloves, but why wouldn't you when you have them, right? Uh, my wipes, right? Definitely want to have wipes and toilet paper. That is like key. Wipes will change your life. <laughs> and uh, two things ruin your hunt more than anything. That's bad feet or bad butt crack, right? <laughs> so those two things, if you don't take care of those two things, your hunt can be ruined. So anyway, um, also in my kill kit, obviously a, a knife, I, I'll usually have two knives. I'll have like a, um, Havilon type knife where you can change the blade out and then I'll have a, a fixed blade, you know, knife. Yep. Um, you don't need to go crazy with a bunch of knives and a sharpening tool. Um, have, a, have a good first aid kit. Uh, you know, in, in your, in your first aid kit, have the, the most basic things. I mean, I, I like to have, um, some, uh, oh, I forget what they're called that you put them on your feet for blisters. Moleskin. It's actually better than moleskin. Oh. We'll cover that another, but it's really good stuff. Oh man. What is it called? I'll think of it. Hopefully. Anyway, um, it's really good. So, so stuff for blisters, stuff you can tape up, you know, cuts real easily. Uh, super glue is really handy. My cuticles and my uh, fingers always seem to get messed up because I'm always reaching into bags and stuff. Yep. So I'll put some super glue on those. That helps a bunch. That's a lifesaver. If you get a bad cut or something, super glue it together. Uh, but anyway, good first aid kit, right? Have a good first aid kit. Have some Neosporin in there. Have your, you know, ibuprofen in there. Those type of things. If you're a doctor or know a doctor or a dentist, they might be able to get you some more powerful stuff if you need it, just in case. Um, headlamp and uh, maybe two headlamps. Have a backup and also um, flashlight. Lighter, a way to start a fire. So I usually have a couple lighters, multi-tool, Leatherman type tool, electrical tape, zip ties, uh, Ziploc baggies. I like to have a couple of big trash, heavy tra the heavy trash bags, because if it gets rainy, what you can do is you can put all your stuff in that rain bag or in that garbage bag and then put it in your pack. So all your stuff is nice and dry and you could actually drop your bag in a river and your stuff stays dry. So dry bags are nice to have too. I'll have a couple of those also. But my favorite thing to do is just get a big, like they're, the ones I like the most, they're blue and they're super thick. And uh, I really like those. So that's what I keep in my pack as far as those things go. Um, also, you know, we'll, we'll talk about optics here in a second, but you know, my optics, my tripod, my shooting sticks, if I'm rifle hunting, um, got my phone cam in there. I've got an extra, uh, a beanie. I usually have two pairs of gloves. Um, if I'm going, you know, all day, sometimes I'll have an extra pair of socks just so I need to change my socks. It's, it's nice to have those. Um, and, and then, uh, an in reach. And so we can talk more about this stuff too. What, what am I missing? I think you got it. Zip ties have saved my can a bunch. Especially like when I when I first started going like backcountry hiking in, I wasn't buying the nicest packs in the world, and uh, so we were on an elk hunt one time, and my my belt buckle that buckles on the front broke. That's a big problem with a loaded pack. So I had hind quarter, front quarter, and elk head, and I didn't have any waist strap. 
So we ended up tying it and then just zip tied it, and we were six miles. But Ooh, that would have been bad. Yeah, zip tie saved my can. It worked, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of these packs today, that, that if you're buying a newer packs, they'll have extra buckles. Yeah. Those are meant to keep with you, not to leave at home. Yes, 100%. <laughs> and one thing that I, on every single pack that I buy, you can actually buy, you can just find them on Amazon. I always get metal. You can yep. get metal, waist. I always get them for at least the waist straps. Good idea. Because if those break, I can bear my testimony that that really sucks. You know what? I've even done something really dumb like uh, my truck door i'll shut my truck door my buckles in there and yep. it smashes it and i'm like oh i've done that a few times yep good yeah so extra buckles yeah just small stuff like like if you think about a worst case scenario like what's the worst thing that could happen to my pack and what could i do to make that situation more comfortable it's like everybody that like my dad perfect example of this hates hates like hard hunts right it's like if he has to walk more than a mile from the from the truck he's ticked about it but the biggest reason that he he's like that is because all of his gear sucks it's like if you have the right gear really you can go on some miserable type conditions and be really comfortable it's like if you look at what you can do to make yourself more comfortable that means that you can also be more effective right yeah. the more comfortable you are physically mentally all that kind of stuff then the more effective you can be for sure and my, myself i mean I'll, I'll use like i've got a mystery ranch metcalf pack i really like that pack it sits really good on my back sits high on my back it's uh not the lightest pack out there but it's super strong and i've used it on so many different types of hunts everything from a 10-day alaska hunt all the way to my day pack so I like that one. I also use a Stone Glacier pack that I like a lot as well. Um, you, and you can get on our website too and check out like that Mystery Ranch Metcalf is is on there and, and check that one out. It's I would recommend that pack to anybody. It's really good. Uh, but make sure you have a, a pack that fits you really good. Um, and everybody's obviously got their own preferences. My, my uh, Stone Glacier is a lighter pack. I really like that pack. I've been using that a bunch. Um, and, uh, so by the way, as, as we're sharing this stuff, I'm not necessarily just sharing stuff that we sell. I'm also sharing other stuff, right. That we, that we use, that we like. So I'm not trying to be biased in any way. If you're listening to this going on, you're just trying to sell your stuff. Well, yeah, we have some stuff we definitely have that, uh, I, I think is, is the best for me, but it may not be the best for you. Right. But I'm not going to sit here and just be, uh, just cause we have it doesn't mean I necessarily like it. I mean, I, I our, our King's rain gear that's coming out is going to be really, really good. Their current stuff. I'm not a big fan of, right. But yep. they've got some really good stuff coming out this year. And when it comes out, I think everybody's going to really want or like that a lot. Yep. Um, do you, do you pack gators? I was going to say gators, gators are a, a, a key thing. I, I almost always wear my gators all the time anyway, just even if it's dry because I like to keep stuff out of my boots. Yeah. And I just, it's part of my, part of my deal. So I usually just wear gators. Yeah. If you're hunting, even uh, we, we went down to um, Southern Arizona, right on the border of Mexico and it was February and it was warm. But if you did not wear gators down there, your lower legs just got hammered by all the thorns and stuff. So gators were big key down there. Uh, I, I, I'm glad I, I wore them. A lot of guys didn't bring them because that oh, it's dry. We don't even need those, but. But then if it does rain or get wet, it protects your, it keeps, keeps you a lot drier, right? Yep. Um, I think also um, good optics. Make sure you have optics that uh, are clear. Um, I don't think you can put a price tag on good optics. I mean, I, I think, you know, if you can afford the best, get the best. I know not everybody can do that. But the, 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 mo the, the best ones you can afford yep. splurge on your optics, right? Your spotting scope, your binoculars. Um, your scope on your, on your rifle, if you're shooting a rifle, uh, you ought to spend 
as much on the scope or more oh, yeah. than the rifle. I get made fun of so much because all of my guns, I've got one expensive rifle. I've got one one custom built, and then my, my comp gun is expensive. But, like, the gun that I hunt with for everything, I should I got a used Tika. bought it for 500 bucks. That has killed more animals than I would even dare venture. Yeah. So I got the gun for 500 and I, just, I got a Mark V on there. Yeah. So it's a Mark V. 2400 bucks, isn't it? Yeah. So I've got a $500 gun, the optics, everything. Because mo- most yeah. guns will shoot better than shooter can by for far. Sure. It's like scope makes up the difference. Yeah, good point. So, yeah, you, uh, you know, when it comes to, to uh, spotting scopes, I mean, Leica, Zeiss, Swarovski, I, I think are the best, right? They're all they're all top of the line, really good. Leupold's got some really good ones, too. You know, they got their Santium, and they got their new one that just came out this year, too. They've got some really clear ones. But anyway, you know, and then a really good tripod. You know, make sure you have a good tripod. Um, if you want a really good budget-friendly tripod, uh, Field Optics makes some good ones. Those are on our site too. Um, not to sound like an infomercial, but they are on there. And uh, they're some really good prices. And for the money, they're really good. They're not the best, but for the money. Very light too. They're very light, yes. And and, and they're good. So I've used those the last couple of years. And then I, I personally like uh, Phone Cam uh, versus the, what's the other phone one? Phone Scope. It's phone Scope. Yeah, Phone Cam beats the crap out of it. I think so. I mean, I think it's easier to use and... Uh, Sorry for, <laughs> I, I just think it's easier to use, right? It's, yeah. It's, well, it's yeah. more durable too. It's not like, the phone plastic. scope's plastic. No. It's like the other one's machined aluminum. That's just my opinion. But, yeah. you know, some people like the phone scope and, and uh, definitely keep using it. I mean, I think, you know, I think phone scope's marketing well. is way better. We can give them credit for that. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> they do a really good job there. Definitely sharp, sharp guys are on that company. No question about it. And then uh, having an in-reach, and in-reach is a satellite texting service that's, that doesn't break the bank, and you can text anywhere even if you don't have cell service. And there's been many times where I've uh, been able to use that, even just to touch base with home. Hey, I'm going to be later than I thought I was going to be, or whatever. And I would highly recommend having one of those, and uh, you just strap it to your pack. I mean, I think you can buy the little units now for a couple hundred bucks, and then the service is... You can, I, I lower it when I'm not using it to like the, whatever it is, $10 a month plan. Mm-hmm. And you can raise it to the 30 or $40 a month plan for unlimited during hunting season. Yep. They've got those at Costco right now. <laughs> oh, there you go. So yeah, grab, grab yourself one of those. They're, they're awesome. And then just, uh, you know, not to get into too many, too extensive here for, for this, this week, but, um, uh, how about your, your, your weapon setup and, 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 and practice, right? So know your weapon so if you're if you're shooting you know a rifle know that rifle make sure you get out and shoot it shoot shoot a couple hundred rounds through that thing shoot it uh whatever distances that you're going to be hunting at i mean if you're a western hunter that could be six seven eight hundred yards possibly right I mean, you probably don't want to take a shot that far unless you absolutely had to and conditions were perfect but uh, practice practice out to a thousand you know Go practice on some windy days. See what your bullet's doing. See what your ammo does. Um, know your know your drop data. You know, if you're going to be long-range rifle shooting, if you're shooting a muzzle loader, same thing, right? Go out and, and practice with that thing. It's going to beat you up a little bit sometimes because those suckers kick a little more than a lot of rifles. But make sure your scope's on. Make sure it's dialed in. And, uh, you know, if you're going to go to, uh, like, a uh, further away hunt, like if you're going to go to Asia or... Um, Alaska or even British Columbia, it's not a bad idea if you, if, you, if you have access to it to have an extra scope with rings and take it with you as, an, as a backup. If you're going to spend 20, 30, 40 grand on a, on a hunt, not a bad idea to have an extra scope that you pack separate from your rifle in your, in your pack just in case you get there and, you know, 
something you know something goes wrong you know you, you've got that and you, uh, I know Brian Martin he's uh, one of our consultants with Rolling Bones uh, Asian Mountain Outfitters who's who, who's who he's with and there's been multiple times where he's taken his scope and put it on the guide's gun to use the guide's gun to go hunting um, so you know and then again you know if you're going on some of those uh, Asian hunts or those those places your guide may not have the best binoculars so if you have a more inexpensive pair of binoculars and you can bring for them do that too but anyway i'm getting off digressing here from the weapon setup know your weapon know, yep. know your rifle i think one thing that really changed the speed of my shot like it, when you look at when you look at like an inexperienced shooter this is probably my biggest pet peeve guiding is you find an animal and it takes them forever to find it in they the can't find it yes i've never wanted to choke people unconscious so bad in my life than when they're sitting there and you can like Two, right in front of them. Two, three hundred yards. Like yes. Just, just shoot it. And it takes forever. So I think one of the one of the best things that anybody can do if they struggle with getting in a scope or anything like that is just dry fire practice. Target acquisition. And everybody right, thinks yes. dry firing is horrible. That's what your gun is built to do. It's yes. like you dry fire. Like I dry fire the crap out of my guns just because it's speed. Like if you look at if you look at like an average person, how long it takes them to see an animal, dope their scope get a shot. It can be minutes. It's like the difference between really experienced shooter and something that's not is just the speed and the accuracy. Like honestly, shooting really isn't that hard. Like if you have forever, pretty much everybody can put the crosses on there, but the speed and being able to take advantage of that opportunity is huge. And I think a big part of that is just how quick can you acquire the target and then get into your shot sequence. Great tip. Great tip. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, it's also, you're not always going to be able to get prone or dead rested very well either always, right? Yeah. So shooting sticks are a big key. Use your shooting sticks. Learn how to get them out of your pack, get down on them. And we practice this in our shooting schools a lot where your shooting sticks are out in front of you, obviously, and then you put your pack behind your back uh, back arm and lean against your back against your pack, and you can get dead set and solid sitting on your butt, give you a little more elevation, and get a good uh, – Good, good shot off that way. Yeah. So practice that. Yeah, for right? sure. And get a bipod. It drives me crazy, especially when you're watching hunting shows, how many guys are laying across a pack. or It's like if you have time to lay down and you don't have a bipod, it's like you can get – I agree. Like, you can get a good bipod. There's a, there's a bipod. It's called a Blackhawk Sportster. They're like 40 bucks on Amazon. does everything you need it to. And I shot one of those forever. I shot that for probably seven, eight years. Before it broke, so it didn't. It did end up breaking, but yeah. forty bucks. Yeah, so right. I shoot an Atlas now, but get a freaking bipod. Yeah, you can get an extra for forty bucks, right? Yeah, I shoot Atlas too, just because I, I just. I mean, I I, I I figure it's worth spending the extra hundred bucks or two hundred bucks to have it forever, yeah. you know. And and then it's quality and. Um, but yeah, you you can get the a, a pick rail and put it on the end of your stock. So I would do that, and then you can quick release your your bipod. Yeah. I use my I just leave my bipod on all the time. Yeah. Our rifles are light enough that, that you know we just leave it on there. Yeah. And then if I'm using shooting sticks, I just you know use those of course. And then archery, you know, so so archery is is one one, one yeah. thing on the rifle. If you haven't bought a heat seat. Look up heat to see. They're like the most handy little things. They're like little pillows. So I use them like all the time. I get made fun of all the time because I always have one. But you can use them for a pillow if you back 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 in. Pillow. You sit on them while you glass. And then kill a rear bag. So what's it called? Heat Maxi seat. pad? Heat Maxi seat. Maxi pad? 
I will punch you across the <laughs> table right now. <laughs> no, that's uh, yeah. No, really. It, uh, I mean, something something to sit on is actually good. I yeah. don't know that I want to carry a big pillow with me. It's not that big. It's like this big. But I but uh, <laughs> but I maybe a pad. Maybe maybe a little tarp like. Yeah, your you know. your maxi pad. You're, I'm I'm saying heat a seat, and you're saying pad here. <laughs> okay. Anyway. And then archery, right? So do you, you know, make sure your your bow is tuned up. Make sure you're shooting the heck out of that thing. A good thing about a bow is you can shoot it anywhere. What rifle you can dry fire anywhere, so it's kind of the same. But with a bow, you can get out and practice every day, all day. Make sure you get out and shoot. Cameron Haynes has a good thing going, right? Every day, go out and shoot every day, even if it's just one cold shot a day. That'll get you used to that. And then just make sure your setup is is uh, what it needs to be for the kind of hunting you're going to be doing, right? Yeah. What tips do you have for archery? What do you, I mean, you, you've done more archery than I have. Gosh, there's so many different things on archery. I, th- I think the biggest thing is just learning the proper shot mechanics to be more successful. Just small things like how to aim, how to execute a shot, use a release aid. It's like John Dudley, tons of killer content. There's another guy, uh, Kellen Morgan, Inside Out Precision. They do bunch of different videos just learning like proper form and how to draw a bow there's just archery's just made up of a thousand different little things and if you can get just the fundamentals down it'll improve significantly on what you can do awesome so um i think also with archery with listening to those guys too they're going to talk about this on on all their stuff too is shooting angles yeah right because that makes a big difference in archery yeah um, just like you say in the mechanics. So yeah. uh, I've, I've missed uh, my fair share of game shooting really steep uphill and thinking I needed to aim high back in my early days, and you always want to aim low, right? Yeah. Whether you shoot downhill or uphill. I think archery gear is – like I get way more intense on my archery gear, making sure that I have – because there's certain things on, on archery, like your sight, like third axis leveling. Like I, I've missed several deer shooting downhill or uphill just because my site didn't have a third axis level, right? So you third axis leveling is huge. And then rangefinders now, right? It's like they'll they'll do the shoot two yardage for you, they'll take the angle into account and everything. So as long as you got the right gear, it's really not that hard if you consistently practice. Like I've seen you've probably seen like how many guys do you know that or how many opportunities have you seen missed because people couldn't consistently shoot fifty yards? Like yeah. I think fifty yards if you can shoot 50 yards consistently, you'll have an opportunity every single year. Good tip. Good tip. You know, I, I would also say no matter how much you practice, when you get in the real world, it changes. Yeah. Real life hunting situation using a rifle, bow, muzzleloader, it changes, right? Yeah. And even things like you got a clear shot at a, at a deer or an elk or whatever, and maybe it's 50 yards away with your bow, and you draw back and let that arrow fly, and there's a branch that's maybe – two feet above you and that arrow slams slams that that branch because it has to arch right to get in there and those are things sometimes you just in the heat of the moment you you don't think of all that stuff you're just trying to put that arrow where it needs to go or put that bullet where it needs to go and i mean same thing with the rifle you know sometimes you go i got a clear shot but you know that that same thing those bullets have to arc so if you're taking a long shot yeah there are other factors that's why you know the the more you can practice the more it minimizes the repetition yeah i think I can't remember who it is that always says that he's a self-defense guy, but he always says action has to be faster than reaction. Good. It's like if you've got if you've got the repetition down, you do the same thing over and over and over, just naturally you're going to do it without having to think about it. Like my little brother, the first year he, he ever hunted, I made him bow hunt just because rifles now are cheating almost for your first deer. And it's like if you're going to shoot a small one, you have to do it with a bow. 
And the first deer he got out to shoot at with his bow, it was 19 yards, broadside feeding, no clue in the world that we're sitting there. So he draws back his bow, and I didn't even look in, looking in the binoculars, and it just bow, bang! It didn't put an arrow on. So dry fired his bow at a deer. I was so excited, I forgot to put an arrow in. Yeah. So it was like, to load. Yeah. But he also didn't practice that much. It's like, if if anybody shot a bow consistently, he's like, putting an arrow on is usually a pretty key component of yeah. shooting a bow. That's, that's important. <laughs> That's important. Yeah, and I like to coyote hunt a lot, too. That helps a lot with just uh, being quick and finding your target. And, you know, usually coyotes don't give you much time to take the shot. So you got to find them quick, get a, get on them quick, and squeeze that trigger. And also just, I mean, getting the wind right, you know, waiting for the right opportunity to let the shot off, all those kind of things. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of it, too, right? The instinct of hunting is big. Um, you know, knowing if an animal is going to stop or not. I mean, I, I do not like to shoot coyotes when they're running. I prefer them to stop, you know. And uh, definitely big game. You, you really probably don't want to be shooting them on the run, uh, ideally. So yep. you can get a good shot off, right? I think scouting's big on that, too, just to learn how an animal is, right? It's like the, the first couple years I went to Wyoming, I had zero interest. There's whitetail and mule deer up there. I had zero interest in whitetails, right? But just because small mule deer looks the same as a, as a big whitetail, right? So right. zero interest in whitetails. But when I started hunting whitetails, completely different ballgame. And I was struggling just because I've never – never hunted them so it took me a couple of years to like learn them figure them out it's like if you're scouting like learning how an annual behave an animal behaves learning what it looks like when it's going to run look at what when it's going to stop is it going to stop like just learning how an animal be- animal behaves is huge yeah amen amen yeah the more time you spend in the field the better right so hopefully today helped you guys uh you know we we um We'll just continue to, to dish out some more information and what we've learned and everything else. Obviously, these are all our personal opinions. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're, you're... It's a good thing we're smarter than everybody else, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, you know, there's things we like that other people don't like and vice versa. But uh, these are th- some things that we've experienced. And uh, we, we're, we're just, we're, we're, we feel very blessed to be in the industry. And uh, any of you that are listening to this that are maybe with uh, some of the companies that we use or don't use or whatever, we, uh, we're, we're grateful to be in the same industry as all of you and, you know, hope that we can bring value to you or help you improve. And we know you'll hopefully help us do the same. And if you've got feedback for us, let us know. We'd love to hear, you know, your, your feedback on this and what you'd like to hear next. And we, we've got a laundry list of things we want to cover and, and guests that we, we like to eventually have on here also. So anyway, until next time, uh, happy hunting, get prep. Get prepared, get out there, shoot your rifle, shoot your bow, get your stuff geared up, get ready, get fit, get uh, get in shape. Make sure you um, have your personal life in order and uh, all the good things, right, so you can enjoy this year's hunting season. So, all right, guys, till next time, we'll see you.